you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we'll begin our reading at verse 40 and read tonight through verse 52. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him in? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is a curse. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Two Lord's Day evenings ago, we looked at verses 32 through 39 of John 7, and we were commanded by the Lord to come to him and drink. We saw then the spiritual thirst that that exists in all men, even the unconverted man, even though he does not recognize many times that thirst. We saw how that thirst would be quenched, and that is to come to the Lord Jesus, and then the result of having that thirst quenched. That we should be those who, by the power of the Holy Spirit, go out and be like a river of living Water. So look back for a moment at verse 37 of this chapter. It is there on that last day of the feast, the great day, that Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus preached a sermon in that text. And this is the response that we see tonight from the people concerning that sermon. And we see it in four groups of people, just as these four groups in the day of our Lord responded to the preaching of Jesus, so do people today respond to the preaching of Christ. The preaching of the gospel. Today, four responses are common to people presented with the gospel. Some will respond with the words, well, Jesus is a great 
moral teacher. Maybe he can even be called a prophet of God, but beyond that, it's just too much for me to accept. Some, after hearing the gospel, will respond with the words, Jesus is not the Messiah. He does not fit the mold of what a Messiah is to be. Some respond with the words to believe in Jesus is not for the intelligent. No intelligent person would ever believe in this Jesus and his claims. And then the last response, the the few who respond, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah of God. And they respond in faith and repentance to his claims and they have eternal life. But whatever the response is to Jesus, we see clearly tonight that Jesus divides. The gospel divides. Jesus is a divider of men. Now this should not surprise us. Jesus tells us this in Luke chapter 12. He said, do not suppose that I came to give peace on earth. I tell you not at all, but rather division. For now all five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The gospel divides. The gospel saves, but it divides men. And whenever the truth of Jesus is presented to sinful men, there will be a, a, a variety of responses. And we see that tonight in our text. We see three groups of people responding and then one man responding. And so we begin tonight in verses 40 through 44 of the response of the crowds. And the first response is found in verse 40. That some were saying this really is the prophet. This group within the crowds thought Jesus was the prophet promised in Deuteronomy 18. Now this group within the crowd that Jesus was speaking to. They were like those who we heard earlier in this gospel. John 6 and verse 14. And we heard this. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Now what do they mean when they said this? Well, one commentator states, this means that they were willing to accept a a portion of Jesus' claims, but not all of them. In calling Jesus by this title, the people were acknowledging that he was a good man who spoke wisely. Now Jesus was a prophet. He fulfilled the office of prophet. We know he fulfilled the offices of prophet, priest, and king as the Messiah. But but this is an illogical, illogical response for Jesus clearly said he's more than just a prophet. He is God. And so to say that Jesus is just a prophet is not enough. Then there's a second response that those in the crowd gives. And, and this response sounds right in verse 41. This is the Christ. 
Now, of all the responses by those in the crowd, this was the most promising. But this response was still not complete because as they said this, they then had a question. Is the Christ to come from Galilee? They say that he is the Christ, the Holy One of God, but they still do not respond with faith. J.C. Ryle said this, we must not think it enough to know the facts and doctrines of our faith unless our hearts and lives are thoroughly influenced by what we know. There are many tonight that know the truth that Jesus is the Christ, but they have yet to come to Him. They know all about Jesus. They could tell you about Jesus. They could even give very orthodox answers about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they are far from him, for they know not, they, they do not know him in faith. And so, as some say that he is the Christ, others were saying Jesus cannot be the Christ after all. The Christ does not come from Galilee, does he? In verse 42, they say it has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem the village where David was. So there was a division among the people over, there, over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Now this group, they, they knew the Scriptures. They knew that Jesus was to come from Bethlehem, but they failed to bring them, to apply them to the Lord. And so they reject Jesus by their pride. After all, they know better. They know where the Messiah is to come from. It's not Galilee, it's Bethlehem. They're, they're a bunch of know-it-alls, at least that's what they thought. Will the Christ come out of Galilee? And this was not... This, this was an insult to the Lord. Surely the Christ will not come out of a place as lowly, as backwards as Galilee. And so this response is fueled by hatred for Jesus. And the world hates Jesus. The unbeliever hates Jesus. And because the world and the unbeliever hates Jesus, guess what? They hate us too. Now, in all these responses, there is a kernel of truth in them. And that is the danger. In every false doctrine, in every false teaching, there is a kernel of truth in that. But it doesn't go far enough. And that's what these people were not doing. They were not going far enough. They were not examining all the claims of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they would not come to Him in faith. And so that's the first response. We see the responses of those within the crowd. But then second of all, we see the response of the officers. You remember those officers we heard about a few weeks ago. They had been sent to do what? They had been sent to arrest Jesus. That's the job they were given. If you go back to verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Now their job was to arrest the Lord without causing much of a commotion. 
This time, Jesus is very popular. Crowds are following him. And they wanted him arrested, the Pharisees and the chief priests, and brought to them so that they could accomplish their plan. We heard a few weeks ago as well, what was their plan? To put him to death. After all, he was teaching blasphemy in their minds. And so it was a simple job, go and arrest someone and bring him back. A simple job, but yet they did not accomplish it. Why? But you hear the response as the officers came to the, the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. And these men were hardened officers. They were soldiers. They had seen Battles. They had been in battles and they were impressed with the teachings of Jesus. They heard all the words of our Lord from verses 33 through 38 that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Leon Morris put it this way in his commentary concerning the response of these officers. Never did man so speak. The words of Jesus were such that they are not to be thought of as the teaching of a mere man. They are more than that. They are words that come from God. And these officers heard something of that in the teaching of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying they had faith. But they knew that Jesus was different. He was not like all the other Pharisees. He was not like the other teachers of, of Judaism at the time. These men saw something in Jesus that they had not seen or heard in any other man that they were sent to arrest. It's much like the centurion at the cross of Jesus. Do you remember what he says as he, as he saw what was transpiring? Truly, this man was the Son of God. Now, the response of these officers was due to the fact of God's sovereignty. No one at this moment could lay a hand on Jesus for his time had not yet come. His time will come. At the end of this gospel, we'll see our Lord crucified and buried in a, in a tomb. And on the third day, raised from the dead. God had his plan for redemption and man could not affect that plan. No one would lay a hand on the Lord until God's timing was right. Until the time had come for Christ to die. And so God's plan of redemption through Jesus is still working today as the elect of God are brought in to the church and into Christ's kingdom and, and man cannot affect that plan. No, no man can affect the, the plans or the decrees of God. But then there's a, a third response by another group, this time by the, the Pharisees. And, and this is the response of those who are blind to their own spiritual darkness. 
Now these men should have known better. They were religious leaders of Israel. They should have known the Scriptures. They should have seen Jesus fulfilling every Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah, but they could not because they were blind. This is the response of those who outwardly condemn the gospel and in turn they condemn all who believe the gospel. Now all the responses we see tonight are against Jesus, but it is this response that truly shows the depravity of man. It is in this response by the Pharisees we see the hatred that they had for the Lord. And again, all false religions, they hate Christ. Every other religion in this world hates Christ and and the gospel. Why? Because the gospel does what? It takes the power of us saving ourselves away from us. Understand, every other religion in the world is a false religion. And what do they teach? Man is good enough to save himself. Biblical Christianity tells us otherwise. Man is not good enough. And he needs the one who is the perfect God-man to save him. And that is Christ. And so this response is a response of pride. Verse 47. The Pharisees answered them, the officers, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. In a way, the Pharisees are saying that those who respond to Jesus in faith are deceived intellectually. You can hear the condescension in their voice. Surely none of you officers have believed this man. Surely none of the Pharisees have believed this man. Do not put any stock into the crowd because they are worthless. They are nothing but rabble. They are a mob. They know nothing. After all, the Pharisees are the ones who know. The Pharisees were the ones who would know when the Messiah came. And this man, Jesus, cannot be. That Messiah. It is a response of hate. They hated the Lord. That hate will fuel them and it will continue to grow larger and larger until finally they get what they want, and that is to put Christ on the cross and crucify him. But yet they do not realize that that was God's plan all along. And God will use their hatred for the Lord to accomplish the purpose of salvation and redemption. Their response to Jesus and His teaching is the same response that people give today from those who hate Jesus, who hate the gospel. You know, when you go to someone and you try to Give them the gospel. Where where do you begin? You begin with the bad news. And that's what people don't want to hear. You're not good enough. In fact, you're wicked and you're evil. And and without Christ, there's nothing you can do. 
And people hate that message because they want to think deep down they are good. But then there's a a fourth response, and this is not by a group, but by a man. And he was a part of the Pharisees. We have heard of this man before. Do you remember back in John chapter 3, this man came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus. And he had questions, and Jesus rebuked him. How can you be a a Pharisee and not know these things? And it was there in John 3 that Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. In verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving, giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Now, Nicodemus is responding to the question the Pharisees, those pompous Pharisees, have just asked, Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? And the answer is yes. There was one who at this moment did not have a full-fledged faith, but the seeds of faith were growing up within him, and that was Nicodemus. And he simply points out to his fellow Pharisees who claimed that they loved the law of God, how they put so much stock in the law of God, and yet they did not even follow the law. They were judging Jesus without a hearing. Without witnesses. Without learning what he does. Arthur Pink put it well concerning Nicodemus. He said this in John 3, it is midnight. Here in John 7, it is twilight. In John 19, it is the daylight in his soul. We will hear and see of Nicodemus again. He will go and he will take down the body of Jesus and he will make a public declaration of his faith as he helps to bury the body of his Lord. Nicodemus here shows the ignorance of the Pharisees. William Hendrickson said perhaps even more noteworthy is the fact that the men who have just a moment before denounced the rabble because of their ignorance of the law now have their own ignorance exposed. They claim to know the law of God, but they did not. If Nicodemus, who has just some of the beginning signs of faith in in Jesus, does such a courageous thing for the gospel, then that should speak to us tonight. What should we be doing? And so as he spoke out, what happened? Well, what happens when you speak out for Christ? You're persecuted. They replied, verse 52, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Now this is verbal persecution, but it's persecution nonetheless. Now as Nicodemus said these words, it's quite possible that the Pharisees, they they could have they could have put Nicodemus to death. They could have said, you, you've come to believe in this blasphemer. You are to die. Uh, at least they could have kicked him out to the Pharisees. But they do not want anyone defending the Lord. They thought they knew the Scriptures, but Nicodemus shows them, you do not know the Word of God. 
You do not know the law of God because you're judging this man without hearing him. Your minds are made up. You believe that he is evil, that he is wicked, that he is a blasphemer. You do not believe that any prophets can come from Galilee. Now what application can we make here tonight? Well again, whenever and wherever Jesus is proclaimed, that proclamation demands a response. The preaching of the Word of God tonight demands a response from each and every one of us. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the Gospel, one cannot be neutral. The Gospel itself does not allow for it. And so either one will respond in unbelief or belief. Either one will respond in faith or or not. Jesus is a prophet, but he's more than that. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one of God that all men must believe for salvation. A response is demanded by God. Again, a few weeks ago, we heard Jesus telling everyone, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow will flow rivers of living water. And so Jesus, as He cries out, is commanding people to come to Him. And so as you hear the truth of Jesus tonight, it demands a response from you. You cannot be neutral. You cannot say, well, Jesus is right for me, but He's not right for everybody. And the first time I heard this idea of truth being relative was in ninth grade, honors world cultures. And uh, I had a teacher who hated Jesus, who hated Christians. He would put them down any time he could. And that's exactly what he said concerning truth. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is truth for me. Now supposedly we're beyond that. We are a post-postmodern society, whatever that means. There is a danger of being too smart. But Jesus says tonight, you must respond. And the only legitimate response, the only correct response, we see in the heart of Nicodemus tonight, and that is one of faith. Now again, it's not full-grown faith. Nicodemus would later come to faith, but we see the seed of faith taking root in his soul. And so the only legitimate response to Jesus is a response of faith and repentance. Do not respond like those in the crowd. Do not respond like the Pharisees. Even the officers came to see some of the truth of Jesus. And there's no man that has ever spoken like him. And so the question is this, what is your response to Jesus this evening? Now if you are here and you hear the truth of the gospel, which I pray you hear every Lord's Day morning and evening in one way, shape, or form, you are hearing the truth of the gospel. Know this, if you never come to believe in Jesus, then your judgment in hell will be greater than those who have never heard. Because you've heard the truth. 
and yet you reject it. And so what does Jesus say to all men tonight? Come to me. Believe in me. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. There is no other way of salvation other than through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, and you, we must see our sin and see our need of Christ. You know, that is our problem. We are much like the Pharisees in our pride. Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm not as bad as this person or that person. Truly, God will be favorable to me because I've actually done some good things. What does Isaiah say about that? Well, those good things are as filthy rags. Paul would say in Philippians that all of his accomplishments as a Pharisee, as a Jew, from the particular tribe he came from, he counted all of that as dung as refuse, as loss compared to knowing Jesus. And Paul was one of the greatest Pharisees of all time when he was Saul. But one day he saw his need of Christ as he saw Christ. And he fell on his face and he worshipped the Lord and he sought forgiveness. And that's what we are to do. Turn from your sin. Come to Jesus. And find that forgiveness and find life. For Jesus is the Christ. The anointed of the Lord. May God add His blessings to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word and that we can be reminded of the truth of the claims of Jesus. Oh Lord, I pray for any who are here tonight that you are working in them, that even now by your Holy Spirit, if they are without Christ and without faith, you would grant them the gifts of repentance and faith. May they turn from their sin. May they come to believe in Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us who have already, who already have faith, Father, may we see that as we Speak for and out for Christ and the gospel. There will be those who will hate us. Even within our own house. Father, may we be diligent to tell others of the glorious news of Christ. We pray all of this in His name. Amen.